did not want that creation to be alone. Follow me? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verses 9 through 12. Listen to the word of the Lord. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can quickly defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I want to preach to you this morning, if you would, uh, with the thought in mind that we are better together. I want to give you a few analogies. A tuba player without a band is not extremely valuable. You don't see many people seeking for solo tuba players. Okay? That actually is not a tuba. I know it's a French horn. But solo tuba players are not highly sought after. It's better for them to be part of a band. Football players. And uh, and, uh, we know that Princeton High School played in the state championship yesterday. They came back as runners-up, but that's still a great feat, and congratulations to them. But it wasn't one football player that walked out on that field. It was a team of football players that walked out on that field. What, you know, I, there was there was a, another school in the in the in the in the region, and I won't mention that school. But what one member of their their uh, football team was really becoming inflated in the media and in sports reporting and all like that. And one person said to me, they said, "Well, wonder what happened if he just went out there on the field by himself." One soldier doesn't make up a platoon. One sheep doesn't make up a herd. And in fact, I won't speak to that. As my mom would say, I don't speak that directly. And one child doesn't make up a family. You see, you see, there's something about togetherness and God designed togetherness and he even saw that it was good. Every, every single one of us in this room, we have a need and a sense of belonging. You may be, you may be the most extreme introvert in this room, but really down inside of you, there is a necessity or there is a need, there is a longing for some type of company, camaraderie, or companionship. We all need to be connected, and we actually all desire to be connected to someone or something. 
one of the roles of the church. And again, I'm not speaking about this building. I'm speaking about the community. I'm speaking about people. One of the roles of the church, one of many roles that the church has, is the fulfillment of that desire that we have community or company. I want to share with you this morning a few things about being plugged in to community. With the thought in mind, and this this was, I, I believe the country was Switzerland. This was actually a political slogan from a uh, from another country. I believe it was Switzerland uh, that a few years ago. And the, the slogan was, we are better together. The assembly, as we know it, is very valuable to us. You may not think it is, but it is very valuable to you. You may not think it matters much in your life. In fact, sometimes you would rather do without it. But I got, uh, I have uh, news for you. You need the assembly. You need people coming together. Let me share with you a couple things. The first thing that the assembly provides is is co- is is cooperation, and I use C's here so you could remember them. The first thing that the assembly provides is cooperation or, if you would, the corporate setting. You see, cooperation, corporate, corporation, whatever, whatever the word is that you choose to use there, whatever, it comes from the same root word and that root word means together. Knit, together. The assembly provides cooperation or it provides corporate Worship. Listen, worship is as old as the scripture itself. Worship is not, now we just, we, we call it worship. We call it a worship set when we're getting the music together. And we call it worship songs and, and we call this worship service. But to be very frank about it, uh, if, if our worship is limited to that, then we're not very much, we're not very good worshipers at all. Okay. You see, because worship incorporates, if you would, it's old as the scripture itself. It, it, it includes the exaltation and, and, and the all and the splendor of God that we, we find ourselves giving all that we have over to Him. Worshiping as old as itself. There's, it's no doubt in my mind when I study scripture that there were worshiping angels that existed before this world ever exists. And there's angels that are created just for that purpose of worshiping the Lord. But they, quite frankly, they, they're not given a, a choice, a matter of choice over it. But then God created humanity, He created you and He created me, and, and, and He breathed His breath into us, and, uh, you know, I, and I, I appreciate that you guys love your pets. You know, I've had pets that that have been that I've had to put down and different things, and I understand how attached we get to them. But listen, there is nothing else that God created that is a living soul other than me and you. And because we are living souls, we have a mind and we have a will and we, God gets to make choices. We get to make choices. God allows us to make choices. Somebody said one time, I don't see God, I don't see God sending and loving God that you talk about. How could he send anybody to hell? He doesn't. 
God, we, God allows us to make the choices that we want to make in life and He allows us to make the choices that we want to make about eternity. So in all of that, in all of that self-will that He's allowed us to have, in that He's breathed into our being that we are living souls, I, I, I don't know, I can't say this is just a, a, a speculation, so I can't say it for a surety, but I just wonder, I just wonder if when we are worshipers of the Lord, we are worshiping the Lord because we're, we choose to, not because we're made to, and we begin to worship the Lord. I wonder if that's not just a little bit special to God. There was a Southern gospel band a number of years ago, and I, I don't know how suddenly, uh, here in the last several weeks, we've, we've, uh, we've heard their music a time or two on the radio, radio, but I came across, uh, I came across a song some weeks ago, and been a long time since I'd heard it, but it was the singing pain family, the pain family, and they sang a song that said, angels, step back, cause here I come. You know. So we, we, there is something special about our worship. There is something special about our corporate worship. You see, the twofold benefit of corporate worship is, or they are, that it brings, number one, it brings glory to God. When we can put aside our differences, we can put aside our, our, our selfishness, we can put aside all of our thoughts and, and all, all of these things, and we can come together in unison and worship God. Let me tell you something. That is really special because then that's bringing glory to God because that's saying I'm putting myself aside just to worship you, Lord. Well, I can worship the Lord at home. Sure you can. Hopefully you are. If you're not worshiping God at home, then you're probably missing it when you get to the assembly. But there's something about coming together. There's something about coming together. So what we find is this, that the assembly provides corporate worship. It's twofold benefit of corporate worship. It brings glory to God. The second thing is it prepares us for servitude because it brings our focus into alignment with who He is as our Creator. And though through worship it becomes, as I've already stated, it becomes less about us and it becomes more about Him. Remember what it said there in Ecclesiastes? A threefold cord is not easily broken. I, uh, we were in life group last Sunday, a week ago today, and I, and I don't remember exactly what the setting was that what led us into that con- uh, into that conversation, but I began to talk about, you know, at, at, at our youth camp, we have a climbing tower, and, and for the last 15 years or so up to this, leading up to this year, I have went through a climbing tower certification, and we have to go through all this education about ropes and different devices that you use on climbing tower and belay. And one thing they've taught us about rope is, is rope, ropes, ropes are, are woven together. One big rope is, is a cluster of tiny ropes that are woven together, if you would. Okay? And as they're interwoven and interlocking one another, their strength is only discovered when it begins to be stretched. Mm-hmm. 
And the more you stretch that rope, the tighter the webbing becomes in that rope. And the tighter the webbing becomes in that rope, guess what? The stronger it becomes. You see, that, that's, that's the beauty of, of corporate worship, of the corporation, if you would, of the church. And with all that said, I'm a firm believer that because of corporate gathering, because of corporate worship, because of corporately sharing, we are better together. The second thing is, the assembly provides community. Together we're stronger. We're stronger. We're like that threefold cord. We're like, if we're, you know, it's uh, when Solomon wrote this word of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, he taught, you know, if we fall victim, if we fall prey to something, if we, if we're in an accident and we're all alone, then he said, you're to be pitied. That means you're in trouble, boy. I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you got a hard thing coming up. You know, you're probably not going to survive this, but together we are stronger. Uh, I use this sheep as one illustration. A, a, a sheep that's out along by itself and away from the flock, flock, you know what you call it? You call it vulnerable. You call it vulnerable. Listen, can you be a Christian without the church? Yeah, sure you can. Sure, you can be saved without, a, without the church. But without the church, you're going to be vulnerable. Without, without the corporate assembly, you're going to be vulnerable. Without, without, without the, 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 the camaraderie of, of your brothers and sisters in Christ and your family, then you don't find yourself vulnerable. Listen to this. In the animal kingdom, and I, I don't claim to be a zoologist, but in the animal kingdom, the one, the animal that strays away from the flock or the herd is the one that is probably going to get eaten by the lion. If you don't believe me, go back and watch the reruns of Wild Kingdom. What channel is that come on? Yeah, 345, Sarah said. Because we watch it sometimes on Sunday nights when we're down at her dad's. Animal Kingdom. When we're wandering, when we're away, when we have broken our ties with the herd, then we are the one, the lions that are laying in the bushes, the, the tigers that are, and the lepers that are lying up in the trees. They're looking for the one that is separated from the herd. That's why it's important. To have the family. That's why it's important to have the church. We are better together. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. The apostle Luke described the early church as in this way. He said remain steadfast in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. That was the description of the church. They were remaining steadfast in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. So just as important, Luke states, just as important as the doctrine that you're abiding in is the fellowship of abiding. Are you with me this morning? We are better together. We have to, if you can't learn from the Hopefully you can learn from the scripture. Hopefully I can help you this morning with preaching. But if my preaching doesn't help you and the scripture don't help you, I've got some Canadians that can help you out. Yeah, yeah. These Canadians are actually called honkers or Canadian geese. Y'all ever see them fly over? You know, you know. 
that we, we can take some lessons from these Canadians, these Canadian geese, that is. Uh, so I've read that when the geese fly in their customary V formation, that they actually obtain a lift. There is a draft that occurs that lifts them up. And if you ever notice, they don't, they don't have to exert as much energy as if you see another bird or something flying. If you, if you make a comparison, their V formation actually gives them a lift or gives a draft that, that occurs and it allows them to fly according to estimates, according to research. The Canadian geese, when they fly in their V formation, can travel 71% faster and fly 71% further than a single goose can flying alone. You see, we're better together. If you can't believe me and you can't believe the word, then believe a goose, okay? Believe a goose that, that we, we can, we can go further together. The honking of the geese is said to keep an awareness. The honking, if you said most time occurs from the geese in the front of the formation and the honking from the geese in front of the formation is done not just to aggravate you, not just to cause you to look up and say, Oh, I just got hit. No, no, that's not for that at all. The honking of the geese is actually for the benefit of the geese to let you know we're still up here. We're still going and we're pulling you on to the destination. You see, we're better when we're together. When a goose drops out, one of these Canadians, when a goose drops out of the, the front of the pack or a, a goose, as far as that goes, anywhere in the pack, when a goose drops out because maybe they've been injured, maybe they've fatigued, whatever happens, one goose will never land alone. Don't you think about that. One goose, he may get hurt, she may get hurt, they, he or she may get tired. But a goose never goes down alone. Even if a goose goes down and doesn't make it, according to what I studied this week, even if a goose goes down, they're injured, maybe somebody shot at them, maybe they're just an old wore out goose, okay? Sometimes gooses get old and wore out. But a goose, but if a goose goes down, and that is the season for that goose to expire. That go- there will be other of its comrades will remain with it until its life is finished. In other words, no goose dies alone. Do you realize the camaraderie that is needed in your life and in my life as we stick together, as we ply ourselves together, as we come together as a family of believers? It is so important. I'm a firm believer. If you can't believe me, if you can't believe the word, take it from a goose. We are truly better together. The third thing is the assembly develops conscience. Cooperation, community, and conscience. Now, conscience means a lot of things to, in a lot of different aspects of, of life and, and in science and humanity. But today I want to portray conscience to you in the sense of the heart. Every one of us in this room has a heart. We know that. It's a muscle that 
pumps blood to our bodies. I hear tell it's about the size of a fist. I don't know. But we know that's the one, one of the critical parts of our body that we worry about. We can go through deliver ailments and things like that. We can have, you know, we can, we can go through a lot, a lot of different parts of kidneys. We can go through a lot of different ailments in different parts of our body. But when it becomes, when it comes down to the heart or the brain, then it gets really, 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 really serious, doesn't it? But I'm not talking about that heart. I'm talking about the, our conscience. Our heart, our conscience, our heart, our that part of us that lives on forever, our part of our soul. It, it, it's, you see, when I read the story of the rich man Lazarus, and I find that the rich man in soul, in, in, in uh, C-O-R, in hell, it says that the rich man lifted up his eyes and he realized that he was separated from the presence of God. The, the conscious part of our being, the heart, the part of our of our being that 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 is is within our souls. When we serve in the assembly, or we position ourselves in the assembly together, or what we call the church, it it, all, it not only brings us cooperation and community, but it also brings us conscious and 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 this occurs through the through discipleship and accountability. <coughs> Whether you believe it or not, whether it's me, whether it's the word, or it's a bunch of Canadian geese that we're talking about this morning, in principle, you are still being discipled. Hopefully, you will learn something. Hopefully, you will leave here something today. Hopefully, you will learn something through worship. Hopefully, you will, uh, you will, even as we go a little bit later this afternoon and we go and we break bread together, that means we don't eat some chicken and, and or not chicken, but some uh, turkey and some ham together. There, there's something about, there's something that's going to occur. We're going to find ourselves being discipled. And the other thing that is going to occur is that we are going to unawarely establish accountability one with another. You see, we're not here. We talked about some of this in life group this morning in our life group over on this side of the building. We talked about that we're not set out to judge one another. No, and we're not. We're not set out to judge one another. We and and that's not what accountability is about. Accountability is not about judging somebody, but accountability is about holding someone or holding ourselves accountable. You see, the conscious is that dwelling place. Our heart, the consciousness of our soul, is the dwelling place for all moral principle. Some of you, I know, it's only you don't have to think back a long, long time to think about this, but think about your kids. Did you ever have to tell your kids? To, did you have to teach them that it was right to be honest? Did you have to teach them it was right to tell the truth? No, no, no. Most of our discipline came or comes through. You teach them not to be dishonest. You teach them not to lie. You didn't, you didn't have to teach them to, to have good conversation, did you? But you had to teach them not to say those dirty words, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, our instinct, our, our instinct is to do those things that, that with moral conscience that we know are not right, if you would. You allow me to say it that way. Because here in the mountains, that's the way we'll say it. We, 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 so we have to learn. But here, our, our conscience is, 
is the dwelling place of moral principle. That's where all good and evil is established, is in our conscience. Okay? There was a comedian, an African-American comedian that was out a number of years ago. Uh, I watched an old video by him just a few days ago. And that guy's name was Flip Wilson. And Flip Wilson, one of his, one of, one of Flip Wilson's things was, the devil made me do it. That was, that was his come off. Anything that happened in his skits and, and in his, his little sitcom things was, the devil made me do it. Listen, and truly there is a work of darkness behind the, we live in a fallen world and that work of darkness is, is, but when we go back to Adam, Adam, Adam had a conscience ability. He had the ability to make a decision. And I believe somehow that Adam knew even when he disobeyed and Adam says, well, that woman you gave me, she told me. And then she says, well, that serpent did this and, and they begin to pass the buck. But really, I believe with all my heart, I believe they knew anyway because God had given them a heart. He'd give them a soul. And they knew, they knew they were making the wrong decisions. God held them accountable for their decision making. And it's not for us to police one another's life. Don't misunderstand me. It's not for us to 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 ha- have I spy and, and be sitting around a corner taking uh, pictures or having hid- hidden cameras. But but our conscience is the influential part of our decision making, and our consciousness is shaped by our surroundings. How many of y'all remember that commercial on TV a number of years ago that said you are what you eat? Some of y'all remember that had the little line and I, you know, and, and if you eat, if you eat, uh, uh, junk food all the time, if you eat hamburgers all the time, you were going to turn into a hamburger. If you eat hot dogs all the time, you're going to be a hot dog. Let me tell you something. If all of that, if that, if that analogy is true, then I'd be a hot dog and Bobby Turner would be a bowl of ice cream. Okay. But, but what is implied there is our body, our bodies, our bodies are developed out of what it absorbs. But so is our conscious mind. So is our mind. We are, what we, what we absorb into our conscious, what we absorb into our spirit, if you allow me to be that spiritual, is, is what will shape our surroundings. We, listen, birds of a feather all will flock together. Okay? Birds of a feather will flock together. We had some friends of ours uh, a few years ago that that they they grew up over and they were younger. They were from over in Kentucky, and his wife was from down in North Carolina, and and they've been here to sing before the Tollers. Some of you all remember them, uh, and and uh, now they're down in North Carolina, and they've been down there now for several years. And if you're watching, we love you, Tim and Connie, and all the family. But 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 here's the deal: they took on a a uh, work of ministry, and they moved to. Maryland or Delaware. Baltimore. They moved to Baltimore. Unless you're from up that way. This Baltimore. They moved to Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Okay? They moved to Baltimore, Maryland. And there they worked in the school of ministry. Training young men and women up for ministry. And they were up there probably about four years or so. Something like that. Four or five years. But they came down to see us after they had only been up there maybe a year or two. Uh, something like that. Year and a half. Two years. And here's the thing. They came to our house. And they always used to stay with it. And when they came to our house... Same people, they look the same, driving the same vehicle, in fact, 
But here's what happened. They talked funny. You know, because everybody else and other than us talks funny. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, yeah. We got any Yankees in the house? You know, anybody from up north in the house? Yeah, I, I was at Sam's the other day, and I was coming out of Sam's. You know, they check your receipt when you come out of Sam's. And I don't know who she was, Jerry. You work over there, but she talked funny. I said, "You're not from West Virginia, are you?" And uh, no, no, she wasn't from West Virginia. Listen, but the reason they did the the tollers went and they lived in Baltimore, Maryland, and there's a, there is they have a definite pronounced accent. If you would, I have family that lives up there, and they talk funny too. But here's the deal: we adapt to our surroundings. We adapt to our surroundings. So it's very important who we build fellowship with and who we take up assembly with because we birds of a feather do indeed flock together and you are what you eat and you will act like the rest of the people that you're gathered around. So even without anything being said, and even without anything being done, and anybody taking pictures, or anybody spying on you, just by putting yourself together in the assembly, you have created or established a matter of accountability, and you will begin to follow the accountability that you have associated yourself with. Does that make sense? Or if I take too long? Anybody, you, you didn't even go over that again. No. So as we learn the word together and we share our convictions together, we are certain to grow in our faith and in Christian maturity together. And having said all that, I've come to the conclusion that we are better together. We are better together. The last seed. So the assembly, the coming together, it helps our cooperation. It helps us with community. It strengthens us in consciousness. And it also helps us in capacity. The coming together, being a part of the family of God, being part of the assembly, helps to increase our capacity. As you serve in the church, as you serve in the body of Christ, you will discover giftings and talents that you may not even realize that you had. Let me, let me, they're not in the room. They're not in the room, but I want to brag on them a little bit. You know, we, 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 we searched and hunted and, and we looked for somebody to do, we, we had, when we, by the way, this is mine and Sarah's ninth anniversary Sunday right here for pastors at Voice of Praise Worship Center. Did y'all know that? When we got here nine years, we didn't have any children's church. And this is not nothing that we did, okay? I'm not bragging on me. We didn't have any children's church, you know. We didn't, didn't have very many kids. And, 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 you know, and we, we didn't have a lot of you that are sitting here this morning. But you know what? Uh, a few years ago, we began to, and, and my, my buddy Steve Branch, and I know some, some of you know Steve, uh, you know, Steve Branch, he said, hey brother, brother, you know, he pastors Destiny. Destiny was planted out of this church, by the way. He said, hey brother, he's always, hey brother, man, tell me what you need, brother. I'll help you any way I, man, you know, I'll help you any way I can. That's just the way Steve talks, you know. I said, alright, I said, I need a kids, I need a kids pastor. Why don't you send me a kids pastor, Steve? He said, Oh man, I can't do that. You know, he said, I don't have one to send you. And he said, but we don't be praying with you for one. And we talked to different people and we, we, I even went outside and I asked different people, can you come be kids ministry and all like that? And, and, and we went through all that season. And you know what? 
you know, and I don't remember exactly how it all unfolded, but let me tell you, uh, I asked Chase and Haley, we asked them about doing youth, and they, they tried it for a little while, and it, they said, Haley said, this, this, this ain't my thing. Now Haley say that to me, but Haley don't talk in front of people, okay? Okay. If you ever know, Chase, she's Moses and Chase is Aaron, okay? But let me tell you something. As introverted as Haley is, and she was sitting here, I would say this. She'd probably be turning red. But as introverted as Haley is and as, as backward as she is, it has, let me tell you something. She has a great gifting that had not been discovered. And through, through a means of events and happenings and, and things going on, uh, suddenly, suddenly she came along, she said, I think we'd like to try kids. Her and Chase. I like to think we like Tracky. And God is blessing and God's doing some tremendous things. And some of your children are right over there with them right now. You see, but it takes coming together and being together to discover those things and for those things to come to the forefront and for those things to occur. So the assembly is, is good as we come together and you discover these things. And there's many of you in this room that have talents and giftings that you don't even know about, let alone the rest of us know about. But as we come together, we will discover those things. Jesus sent people out in ministry teams. And when you're part of a local church, you're part of a team. When you're part of an, uh, of an assembly or a congregation, whatever you want, whatever name you want to put it. But when you have a church family, you are part of a team. Most people struggle with one-on-one evangelism. You see, we as the church world, the Western church world, we got messed up on evangelism anyway. We thought evangelism meant you brought a you brought a preacher in with a with a uh, years ago it was an accordion. You know, them old old traveling carrying them accordions and playing. Yeah, but bringing an accordion or a guitar, you can get behind the piano and play a song, sing a song, and preach a, a, a red hot message. Or, Maybe even three or four of them a few weeks, and we call that evangelism. That wasn't evangelism at all. That's just having that's just having revival campaign. But evangelism is when we're taking the gospel into the lives of other people. That's evangelism. And people, most people struggle with one-on-one evangelism. In fact, I think the number is around sixty-seven percent of Christians never win personally win another believer to Jesus Christ in their life. Wow. That's not too good because Jesus said go out and make disciples of all men. Yeah. But even in the case of evangelism. The assembly makes it a little bit easier. Because it may not. It may be very hard for you to go out and reach somebody for Jesus. But if you can go with somebody else. Or if you can be part of two or three other people. Or you can be, or you can be riding a Christmas float down the street in the rain, throwing out candy. And then you ride through town the next morning and you think about, now we'll have to have a cleanup day cause all the candy land on the side of the road. But the community of the church even makes evangelism more effective and busy. You see, I've come to the conclusion that you and I 
We're better together. We're better together. There's things that, sure, there's things that I can do that you can't do. But there's things you can do that I can't do. My wife, my wife and especially my grandkids, my grandkids hate to go to the store with me. They said, Pa, you know everybody. We was in the mall the other day over here at Mercer Mall. We was in the mall the other day. And they weren't, they weren't but five people in the mall. And guess what? We knew one of them. I said, hey, Red, what are you doing? She's over there spending all AK's money. My grandkids, they, they, they don't, they just, it is, they don't, they, especially Jalen, you know, she's 15, she's that age. Come on, you know, Pa, you know everybody, quit talking to everybody. My wife, we got, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not big Walmart people, but, but whether it's Walmart or whatever, when we go to the store, Sarah, she just goes, gets her buggy and goes on, cause she knows I don't be talking to somebody, and if she wants to see me, she come back 30 minutes later, and I don't be there talking to that same person, you know? And I know a lot of people, I really do. A lot of them I don't even know their name, I just know their faces and I'll try to put it together, you know, and who it is and is, you know. But you know what? There's people you know that I still don't know. Cause there's millions of people, there's thousands and thousands of people in this community. And I know a lot of them, but I don't know as many of them as you do, especially when we put it all together. So you see, we become better together because as we come together as a church, we find ourselves able to accomplish more because remember, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And one in the bed alone would freeze to death. And I've heard stories. I can't say I've really experienced it to any large degree, I can remember going to one of my friend's house one time. I was, we were all just kids and, and we, we had to go upstairs and sleep in the upstairs of a Granny Williams is that she wasn't my granny, but I called her granny. Granny Williams's farmhouse and, and, and I, it was so cold. I, this is, this is, this is no exaggeration. There was frost. You young people, y'all know what linoleum is. You young, younger people. There was linoleum on the upstairs floor. When I jumped up out of bed the next morning, it had frost on it. I slipped in the frost. But they'd throw all us kids in the bed and then pile about five big old quilts on top of it. You couldn't move. But when all of you got in the bed together and you got like this, you know, and you got warm, okay? There wasn't no danger of freezing to death. Threefold cords not easily broken. If you sleep along, you're going to freeze. If you're the sheep that runs out around the rest of the herd, you're going to find yourself vulnerable and a victim. Listen, I'm convinced, and I hope that you are now, since I've taken this last 40 minutes, I hope that you are convinced that we are better together. We're better together. I know my wife, my wife, she'll tell you, she needs me. But I need her too. And we're better together.
I think it was John Jenkins back there said one time, he said, they don't love you, they just love your wife. You know, that's the way most pastors are. But, but I hope you realize, and I want you to know this, whether you ever take membership in this church or not, that's, that's not the point of the matter. That's not the point of this more message. But there is a point that I want to make. You need to be a part of a body of Christ. You need to be a part of a family of believers that we call the church. I need that. Okay? I need that. You say, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, if we go on vacation, we'll go to church somewhere. And it might not be my home church. And of course, now in the day of, of technology, we, we watch, you know, the other week, we were, where were we at on Sunday? I forgot. We, we were, we were, we were driving, we were driving to the airport to go on vacation a couple of weeks ago. And you know what we did? We weren't sitting here in the service, but we, uh, we just, uh, we had you on the dash of our car. I had my phone right there on the dash of the car. And we were, we was watching church as we drove down the interstate. Yeah. Because I have a desire to be in fellowship with you all. And I even tolerated John's preaching. No, I'm just kidding. John did a great job. That was Nathan, wasn't it? That was Nathan. I tolerated Nathan's preaching. No, Nathan did a great job too. But I have a desire to be. We don't like it when we're away from you all. We don't like, we, we, I don't have a desire. It, it's not, I don't, I don't have these words where I, I get up and say, Oh Lord, I gotta go to church today. No, nah, no. Nah. I don't, I don't gotta go to church today. I get to go to church today. I get to be with my family. I get to see you all. It's not about somebody calls and says, Oh, so and so, this has happened. So and so's at the hospital and, and, and this, this tragedy or that tragedy's happened. I've never ever, I, that I can recall, she can correct me if I, if I, I've never looked at Sarah and I said, Oh Lord, I gotta go to the hospital. Somebody's sick. Somebody's been in a wreck. Something's happened. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't own glory that anything happens to any of us, but I don't find it. I, it, I find it. I find it my pleasure to be able to serve you when those times come. You see, because I'm convinced that we are better together as believers. I'm convinced if I get out running in the bushes in the wilderness and leave y'all behind, there's probably going to be wolves or lions or tigers or bears. Oh, no. That are going to devour me. Because we're better together. And I hope this morning. That I've convinced you of the need. For you to have fellowship. In the church. Would you bow your heads. More important than the fellowship of the church. Is your right relationship with Jesus Christ. You could go to church all of your life. And it it would be a good thing. But you could go to church all your life and it not save you. I can go stand out, I can go stand out in our driveway for, for the next who knows how many years and, and, and declare that I am a car or a truck, but I'm never going to turn into one, okay? 
Just coming to church is not what saves you. But what saves you is faith in Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin. Crucified on a cross. And risen from a borrowed tomb. Faith in Him. Faith in that person, Jesus Christ. Has the perfect Lamb. The perfect sacrifice of God. That's what saves us. The fellowship of the churches is what keeps us growing and keeps us strong. So I wonder in this room this morning, without any embarrassment, I wonder if there's one person in this room that would say, Pastor, today I recognize the need to be saved. I'm not going to point you out and I'll call you out. But is there one person in this room that said, Pastor, I need to be saved. Or, Pastor, I've wandered far away. I'm that, I'm that sheep that's wandered away from the herd. I need to get back home. Is there one person or two people or three people that would slip your hands up this morning and say, Pastor, pray for me? Anybody at all? Thank you. Are there others in this room? Thank you for the hands that have went up. Is there, are there any others on this day? Because this is what I want to ask you to do. And I know I, I said I wouldn't embarrass you and I'm not going to, but I do want to give you the opportunity. If you raised your hand and there's some, some hands went up in this room this morning. You know, the Bible said, if you be ashamed of me before me and I'd be ashamed of you before the Father. One of the greatest, one of the boldest statements I believe that you can make in establishing your faith in Jesus Christ is to stand up and say, I want to be saved. So I want to ask you a question. If you raised your hand and everybody with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around. If you slipped, those of you that slipped up your hand, I want to ask you to do this with me. I want you to take the next step. I want you to stand up and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I, I want to know that I'm born again. Will one of you do that? One of you. Just one of you. Two of you. Maybe th- maybe three of you. Would you do that? Say, Pastor, I want to be saved. It's nothing to be ashamed about. I had to stand up and say I needed to be saved at some point in time. Will you do that for me? Okay. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to come down for prayer. All of those you can and will, I would like for you to come and join us at the front. If you raised your hand, I especially want you to come up front right now. As everybody comes for a season of corporate prayer before we release this morning. And, uh, I, I just want us to come and join together in prayer. Scott, I need you, Scott, I need you to go to the kitchen and get Suzanne for special prayer. If you would please. I just want you to come on. We're better together. We're better together. I want y'all to know that. I need you. Doug, I need you to be my friend. I need Sarah to, to be my wife. Red, I need you to pray for me. Nathan, I need you to help me do everything I have that I do. You're, you're, yeah. He, he does it all. Frankie, I need you. I need you. I need your help. I do all the things you do. Uh, you know, I, I need, I need all of you all. I need all of you, regardless of who you are. I, I need you. And the people standing around you need you. And you need all of them. You know why? It's because we're better together. We're better together. We're just going to pray right now. I just want you to lay your hand over on the shoulder of the person beside of you. As a sign of togetherness. And we're going to pray. Lord as we come to you. God we acknowledge that we are better together. 
I thank you, Lord, for the institution of the church. I thank you, God, that with the institution of the church, Lord, we're going to get through this this life together. God, we're going to go through the fire. We're going to go through the flood. And we're going to do it together, Lord. Lord, today, we're going to fight the perils. God, we're going we're gonna to fight the lions, the tigers, the bears together, Lord. Lord, if one of us falls from the sky, God, like the mighty geese, Lord, we are going to stick together. We're going to see one another through till the, till the end, God. Lord, we are going to be better and we are better together. Because we choose to come together in you, Lord. We choose to come together in you, Lord. And we choose to bind together with one another, Lord. Lord, we stand with one another. We stand with one another, Lord, today. God, we stand together, family and church. God, we, we bind ourselves, Lord God, with ties of love and ties of unity, Lord God, that are knit together in you and your person and who you are, God. Lord, we worship you. We praise you today, Jesus, for you are good. You are good, Lord. You are good. And together, Lord Jesus, we stand, Lord God. Lord, we worship you today. We worship you today, Lord God. We worship you today, God. Lord, and I love my brothers and my sisters. I love my church family, Lord God. Lord, I love the family of God. Lord, from here to the other side of the world, Lord God. Lord, we bless you, Lord Jesus. God, let me be a friend, Lord, to... To, to the people of this church, Lord. Let me be a friend in this community, God. Let me be a friend to those that I come encounter to, Lord God. Yes, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We praise you today. We worship you, Lord. We sing that song every once in a while that says, I am a friend of God. That's one of my favorite songs. I am a friend of God. You know, and I'm glad that I'm a friend of God, but I'm also glad I'm your all's friend. I'm your all's friend. Today may be the first time in my life I've ever met you, but I'm still, I'm your friend. And I'm glad you're my friend. Because we are better together as the body of believers. We will stand strong. I think about Paul and Barnabas. Think about Paul and Silas. I think about Matthew and Mark and Luke and and John. And I think about how these patriarchs that we see in Scripture, they were all better together. And you and I will be better and stronger together. 
We're going to have special prayer this morning for uh, Doug Heinrich, and Doug is uh, Doug is facing some some uh, cancer procedures, and uh, Suzanne is standing in for him. And we're just going to anoint her with oil and obedience to the Word of God. And we're just going to pray the prayer of faith over her. And we're just believing Doug to be touched. God, you know, Doug's, Doug's got a church he's pastoring. They need him. And I know they're standing with him, but so are we. Lord, I pray that today that you will minister to Doug, Lord God. Touch his body and minister to him, Lord. By your stripes, Lord, we proclaim healing, Lord Jesus. Lord God, and we just believe that you are with him, Lord. Whatever he will face in the, in the procedure, God, you are not forsaking him. You're not leaving him. You're not letting him down, God, but you are blessing him in everything, Lord. And Lord God, today, Lord, I pray for Doug's faith, that his faith will be strong and, and the faith of his wife, Lisa, will be strong, Lord God. And you will use them mightily, Lord, in your kingdom, God. Jesus, we believe you touch, Lord. We working, Lord, ministering, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. 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 We don't pray for, we don't pray for my buddy AK. Now, I just happened to her, a little bird told me, a little red bird told me, that you fell last Sunday. Was it Saturday? Okay. And that you, uh, you've been having some problems, okay? You know, and, uh, but the Lord's blessed you. But we're just gonna believe that you just gonna get better, okay? That you just gonna get stronger. Lord, as we anoint AK and we pray, Lord, over him, God, we just believe that today, God, that you are ministering in AK's life, Lord. You're meeting every need that his body has today, Lord Jesus. God, you're giving him strength to his limbs. Lord, feeling will return to his spine, God. Lord, you, Lord, will give him the equilibrium. Lord, you'll give him the, the motor skills that he needs. God, everything that AK stands in need of today is provided for you, Lord. You said one of your names, Lord God, is given was Jireh. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. And God, today you're providing in everything, Lord God, in AK's life. And you're ministering to him in Jesus' name. Let his body be strengthened. Amen. Amen.